Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Lake Forest, Mike Moses here. And in case you didn't know it, in case it didn't pop up on your Google this morning, today is the 22nd anniversary or birthday of Lake Forest Church. Uh, you may be new here, so you may not know it. 22 years ago, me and some friends, we, we gathered for worship the first time in a roller skating rink about two miles from here under a disco ball. And gathering under a disco ball meant for sure that that first day, and now every day since, we have been a church that doesn't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God the Father, Son, and Spirit supremely seriously. In particular, for our distinctive, to be a safe and disciple-making community for people who've given up on church, but not on God. That may be you. You may still be getting your feet wet here, investigating your spirituality through Jesus. And we still, 22 years later, want to be a safe community for you to be where you be on your spiritual journey and just take the next step closer to Jesus. And for many of us, that means be where you be and you're just, you are climbing the heights of learning what it means to be intimate with God and know God's love all day, every day, and be an emissary, a missionary of that love. To, to the, the poor, the hurting, and the lonely every day. Some of you are scaling the heights of that. That's beautiful. And so, so happy birthday. And uh, I just want to say I'm grateful as your pastor. And this is not a moment. To, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm not bragging on our leadership. I'm admiring you and what God has done through this community that continues to grow of Jesus followers over the years. There's no number that really can represent. When you think of all of the all of the people who've been baptized here over the years, when you think of just if we started counting the orphanages that you guys have started and funded, you've built by hand in other parts of the globe. When you think about local children who are new to our country, who you've been uh, assisting into our educational system and getting their foot on the first rung to, to uh, a self-sustaining life as they grow up, you're welcome to those families. When I think about the number of grade schoolers and teenagers who've been shepherded to put their own faith in Jesus and make their faith their own and be baptized, it's just innumerable countless. When you think about the people who've come to faith in Jesus, the number of Christians who've learned to have a global perspective on what God is doing and on how we read scripture. When you think about the number of churches that have been planted and, and how many people there are worshiping in super creative ways in their own community and the churches that are to come, just think about the ways I've grown more like Jesus. I've had some edges knocked off of me as a leader and a spiritual leader, as a husband, as a father. I don't even know where to stop with all that, but there's not really a number. The dollars given to world missions, to local missions, my goodness, you guys are a conduit for so much that God's doing in this world. So all I just want to say is well done for deploying your person, your time, 
for deploying your spiritual gifts that makes this spiritual community thrive and be so hospitable and so peer discipling. You guys are doing the discipling of one another. It's not just my job. And, and well done for deploying your treasure, your, your, your financial gifts as well. That, that is sort of a, a visionary investment in what God's doing here and abroad. All that to say, happy birthday to you. I love, just like I would say to my sons, I love who God has made you here at 22 years old, and I look forward to journeying with you into year 23. Well, again, happy birthday to Lake Forest. This is such an exciting, exciting morning. And it's so cool that it fell on a Sunday here because sometimes that doesn't happen. Well, good morning again. My name is Cammie Howard, and I'm one of the ministers here. And if I have not had a chance to meet you all, please, I want to do that. So make sure you come and introduce yourself to me. You might have to pull down the mask for one hot second so I can see who you are. Well, today we are continuing our series called Money Talks, and I'm going to answer the question that I think many of you have been asking, why in the world right now, with everything that's going on in the world around us, why are we talking about money? Aren't there other things that we can be talking about? Of course there are, but we really believe now in the middle of a pandemic, even more so, it is so important for us to look at money and to see the place that it has in our lives. We believe how we handle our money is really a discipleship issue. We want you to grow from wherever you are in your relationship with Christ to becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. Okay, I'm going to tell you something that you may know, not know about me, and you're going to wonder why I am up here preaching on money, okay? First of all, I'm a thief. Okay, when I was a kid, I stole something. Did anyone else do that as a kid? Raise your hand, raise your hand at home. Okay, look, okay, I see that, that's awesome. Okay, when I, one specific instance, I was at the grocery store with my mom, and we're standing in line. This was when, I don't know how old I was. It was, I don't, 16, no, I'm just kidding. It was probably when I was about eight, seven. And anyway, there's all that candy right there, right? I mean, it's a, it's a dream for kids. Well, I picked up a pack of gum. I'm sure it was bubble yum. And I nonchalantly put it in my pocket. I have no idea why I did that. Did I think my mom was not going to pay for it? I do not know. So I get home and I started to kind of have that guilty feeling, maybe after three or four pieces, I don't know. <laughs> so I decided that I needed to pay God back. So I got some change together and I opened my window and I threw the money out the window. I am almost positive it was gone the next day, okay? So the thievery has not stopped with me. It's been passed down to my son, Zach. Now Zach is 12 years old and he has Down syndrome. So he can get away with a little bit more than we can. So Zach and I have this thing where we go to Starbucks and we go in he walks over to the little case, picks up his chocolate milk, goes and sits down, and then I come in, get order a bagel for him, order my coffee, and sit down. Well, I mean, I pay for it. Woo. Anyway, and so I'm outside coming in, and I see somebody I know. And so I start talking to them, and then Zach just decides he's going to walk in. I'm telling you, it, it wasn't 30 seconds, but I walk in and I see Zach at the counter with his chocolate milk. 
I'm so proud. I mean, he knows that he needs to pay for it. I get up a little bit closer. Zach has a dollar in his hand that he got from the tip jar. (laughs) Okay. So still, I mean, I was kind of like, I don't know. I was kind of excited that he even knew that. But thievery nonetheless. So from my gum example, I really do believe somewhere deep inside me, I knew that money belonged to God. I owed him for my pack of gum. So this morning, I know that we're all in different places. Spiritually, we're all in different places in how we view money. Some of you may be going, you know, if you're elementary or if you're high school, you're like, oh gosh, they're talking about money, I'm so bored. And some parents, you might be feeling that as well. But for us this morning, we know that money matters. For some of us, even if we're Christ followers, we feel like we should hold on tight to our money. Chances are for some, it might be the hardest thing to let go of. But this morning, wherever you are, I do believe that there is something that God has for you today. I'm actually not just going to be talking about money. Why is that? Because when talking about money, I really do believe that it is a relationship issue and not just a money issue. It's a heart issue and not just a money issue. For me, my relationship with money did not change until I began a relationship with Christ. My heart was changed by beginning that relationship. I had put my trust in all kinds of things, in relationships, in stuff, and all the other things that I put my hope in, but I was coming up empty. So when I was 15 years old, I went to a church camp, and for the very, very first time, I heard that Jesus Christ loved me, that he died on a cross for my sins, that he wanted a relationship with me, and that he would never, ever leave me or forsake me. I also heard for the first time, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, even me, everyone. So on that day, July 31st, 1985, in Jekyll Island, Georgia, I gave my life over to Christ. And that was the beginning of a heart change for me. That began to impact a lot of different areas in my life. What I started to realize is that everything in this world, including money, everything is his. This is an important truth for us to grasp as we talk about money today. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And then 1 Chronicles 16.11 says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler over all things. So it was a relationship issue. Then it became a heart issue. As I continued to move forward, it was a heart issue. And then once I was learning all about this relationship with Christ, it became a money issue for me. And I began to see 
Again, it was all his. As I started to read the Bible, I learned more about money, and I learned about this tithe, that I was supposed to give 10% of what I brought in, give that back to the Lord. I didn't know what a tithe was. I thought it was a weird word. But once I learned that, I began to put it into place when I got my first real, real job out of college. I was working for a youth ministry, and I was making, hold tight, a whopping salary of $22,000. Yes, I think I had to raise half of that. But anyway, I had learned that, and I started to give my money. And that was the beginning as I continued to grow in my relationship with Christ. Now, this is very important. If you write down any verse this morning, I want you to write down this verse. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This has been a clarifying verse for me. What we treasure most in our lives and in our hearts, that is where our heart will be also. To treasure means to hold or keep as precious. If we treasure our money, if that is where the affection of our heart lies, we can end up worshiping it. And for some of us, we want to hold on to our money because we feel like, well, we earned it. Well, we did do our part, but remember, it's all his. Money tends to be a prime indicator of where our heart is. If we treasure stuff and material possessions, we can end up worshiping those things. We're a consumeristic society, and we can be very materialistic. Do we treasure our houses? Do we treasure our cars, our clothes, our electronics? How easy it is, and I'm speaking for myself as well, to become more and more materialistic, especially in the areas that we live in. So we go on here and we say, for, well, as we're looking at the things that we are, the materialistic stuff, is that where our heart lies? Are these things bad? No, not in and of themselves. But what does matter is where our heart lies in relationship to these things. Have they become our treasure? Some of us, if we're honest, we can have a tendency to hold on to those things. We get some and we want more. Sometimes the more you have, the more you want. Solomon, who was known as one of the richest men to ever live, says in Ecclesiastes 5.11, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. I mean, whoever is, like, satisfied, you're like, you know what? I've got all that I need. I'm making this great salary. Wait, what a minute? You, wa you want to give me a raise? No, thanks. No, thanks. I am not interested in that. I am good. Now, I'm guessing there are very few in here that would say that. Even if we had a lot more money than we do right now, it probably still wouldn't feel like it was enough. I'm struck with hearing, I read some stories about some celebrities this week, and there are some similarities in how they look at money. They got lots of money, maybe made it their treasure. They accumulated more and more, and guess what? They weren't satisfied, and some spent it all. In Business Insider, in an article written in 2019, there were 25 celebrities, all well-known, who were once rich and famous before losing it all, if not going bankrupt. Some ended up empty, depressed, 
isolated, and some even ended their own lives. Michael Jackson, at the time of his death, an accountant estimated that he owed $400 million. Stephen Baldwin, he filed bankruptcy in 2009 while still owing money on taxes on mortgages. MC Hammer, the rapper who wrote what? Yeah, I can't touch this. <laughs> Despite having a net worth as high as $33 million on album sales, concerts, he had to file for bankruptcy. If we treasure anything before God, if anything is more important in our lives than God, that is where our hearts will tend to lean the most. This treasure does not just apply to money and material possessions. If we treasure our relationships with others first, that's where our heart will lie. If we treasure our family before God, that is where our heart will lie. If we treasure our status, our jobs, our grades, exercise, our bodies, how we look physically, our likes and comments on social media, that can be where our hearts will lie. If we treasure any of these things more than we treasure our relationship with God. Those can easily become where our heart lies. So ask yourself this question this morning, in here and at home. Where does my treasure lie? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in my opinion, a teaching on money is not complete if it doesn't first start with our relationship with God, as I discovered that for myself, that my relationship with God, my relationship with money only changed after that. Jesus says very clearly, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the New Living Translation says this, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Am I, are you enslaved to your money? Andy Stanley, who's a pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta, says this. If money could talk, it would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of your life. So what are some ways that we can keep from not moving in the direction of having money be the place where our treasure lies? What can we put in place to keep that from happening? I'm going to be talking about that the rest of our time together this morning. A very, very practical way to not be enslaved to your money is to know where your money is going. The word for that is a budget. Now, some of you just hear the word budget and your shoulders tighten, you are cringing. For some, it can sound and feel restricting. And to some, it feels like you're putting on a straight jacket. Well, when Philip and I got married, doing a budget was the last thing I ever wanted to do. Because I was more the spender, shock. Philip was more the saver. I thought doing a budget would mean I couldn't do anything fun anymore. I couldn't go out to dinner with my friends. I couldn't go to movies. All these things, I thought, if we do a budget, it's not going to be helpful for me. But once we began the process, it wasn't so scary anymore. And it actually became, listen to this, it became freeing. We did have a spreadsheet, and I'm kind of allergic to spreadsheets, um, but we had that, so it was helpful to see categories and where the money was coming in and going out. One thing that we started to do that we still do today is an envelope system. 
for a few things that we do. One is we have an envelope system for our monthly cash. I get one, Philip gets one. And it's $2,000 that we get to spend. I'm just kidding. So we get our monthly cash and we put that in an envelope, kind of like our allowance. We can do whatever we want with that money, no questions asked. And then another envelope we have for babysitters. We put money in an envelope for babysitters. We also have another envelope that we put money in for dates. And that helps us to keep a rhythm of going on dates and making that a priority. Dave Ramsey, who's a famous money dude who wrote Financial Peace, he says, the word budget can get a bad rap. People think budgets are hard, time-consuming, and restricting. Sure, it can take a couple months to get used to the process of budgeting, but once you get the hang of it, you'll see why using a budget is so important. It's so worth it. Because budgeting doesn't tell you not to spend like I thought, it gives you permission to spend the right way, to show your money who's boss. God has given the honor and the responsibility to manage well what he has given us, including our money. So again, what is a budget? A budget is having a plan for your money. It's not just a restriction on spending. It's a plan for what you will do with your money. You'll see what's coming in, and you'll see what's going out. When you budget, you are giving your money purpose. You are taking control and not letting your money control you. We budget our time when we use a calendar. When we make a schedule, we're budgeting our time. And the same is true with our money. As we budget our time, we can see what our priorities are. When I was preparing for this sermon, I learned about a verse in scripture that I had no idea what its meaning was when I read it before. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Say, what? I mean, what does that mean? Give careful attention to your herds. In a commentary I read, this is what it says. At the time when Solomon wrote this, most people's assets were tied up in either sheep, goats, or both. He said, I want you to know the condition of your flocks. In an agrarian society, it was important to know the condition of your flocks and herds. Do they have any diseases? What was the rate of loss from theft? Water, did they have water? Were there any wild animals? Is there sufficient grazing area? You need to know and correct present threats to your prosperity, and you needed to know and look to the future to be diligent, as you, same as as you look at a budget, to know your present situation well and provide for your future. So knowing the condition of your flocks and herds is basically saying do a budget and know what you got. Now let me get really, really practical this morning. I'm going to talk about one of the examples of a budgeting principle that we use, and we've mentioned it the past couple weeks in the service. Now this is called the 10-10-80 principle. 10% of our money goes to a tithe. 10% of our money goes to savings. And 80% of our money goes to spending. Philip and I taught this principle to our daughter when she was 10 years old. So what we did is I laid out 10 $1 bills. I put those 10 $1 bills out on the floor. And I sat with her and I said, Taylor, okay, I took $1 and I put that aside. And I said, this is for your tithe 
obviously explained what the world that was. And then I took another dollar bill and I put it aside and said, this is for spending. And then the other $8, I told her, I'm sorry, giving. And then I told her the other $8 are for her to spend however she wanted to. And here's what she said. You mean I get to use all those dollars? I love that that was her perspective. Because for us, we look at what we cannot use. We look at what we cannot use. Sometimes Christians, we can get caught up in that 20%. But then I made some jars to further help Taylor with this concept. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I am so crafty. I'm so crafty. I am the poster child for Pinterest. So with my craftiness, I made these three jars. And by crafty, I mean got a little thing to put around here and then made some tags and wrote on them. Pretty crafty, right? Okay, thank you. And so I showed her that this is how we use our money. We give, we save, and we spend. And she continues to do that today. Now, I wasn't taught these principles as a kid, and I'm guessing a lot of you weren't as well. But the good news is it's never too late to begin the 10-10-80 way of budgeting as adults, and it's never too late to teach your kids how to do that. And again, if your kids or you aren't as crafty as me, I will be glad to come over and help you with that. Well, Philip and I came into our marriage with very similar, similar biblical values on money. That has made a huge difference. Now, I know that a lot of people do not come into their marriage that way. We're not perfect with our money by any means, but by living these principles and having a plan in place, we've been able to live debt-free except our mortgage for the 19 years of our marriage. We've also been able to give a tithe every month. And sometimes we're able to give above and beyond that tithe as opportunities have come up. We also took a class earlier in our marriage called Crown Financial. And this is a great class that you can take. It's offered online. And then another one that we offer here, and I recommend it as well, is a Dave Ramsey class called Financial Peace. Now, you need to know that this has not randomly happened for us. This isn't going to randomly just happen for you. We have to intentionally live out the biblical principles that are laid out for all of us. And then a couple times a year, Philip and I sit down and have a financial state of the union where we look at our finances and we see where is our money going? Where are we saving? What are we saving for? Mike was saving for that fire pit, as you heard. I'm saving for a back porch. We are intentional with what we do with our money. So we've talked about our relationship with God, how that relationship impacts where our treasure lies. As we looked at budgeting, we realized if our treasure is in Christ, the process of budgeting can free us up. But then lastly, I would be missing out this morning to talk about money and budgeting without talking about being generous. And I'm going to talk about generosity, not just in terms of our money, but in other areas of our lives. The definition of generous is this, liberal in giving or sharing, unselfish, readiness to give more of something as in money or time that is than is strictly necessary or expected. And then one more, liberal in giving, open-handed. 
God was for sure our first example of living generously. And he did so by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus laid down his life for us. There will never be another act like that of generosity. But we too, we can initiate generous actions ourselves and show our love for God in doing so. Paul says in 1 Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Here are some ways that we can be generous. Number one, be generous with your time. Be generous with your time. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Live wisely and make the most of opportunities that God puts before you. I know that I have missed a lot of opportunities that are before me. One thing that we can do is to listen well to others. One of my favorite and yet most challenging verses is James 1.19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Look at what's first. Be quick to listen. Most of the times, we're slow to listen and quick to talk. We want to air our own thoughts and our own opinions. When we are generous with our time, it's most likely going to involve slowing down and paying attention to others. There are many accounts in the Gospels of Jesus slowing down and listening to others, even when he had so much else going on. When you're generous with your time, you will stop seeing people merely as interruptions, and you will begin to see them and your time with them as opportunities. Number two, be generous with your money. It's not ours anyway. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. Whenever I have been generous with money, I have never, ever regretted it. And I bet if you've done the same, you have not regretted it as well. Being generous with our money is a way to show God how much we love him and where our treasure lies. Now, Philip and I have gone to fundraisers before, and one that we walked into was this past year. It was a ministry to teenagers, and I said to him on the way in, I was like, honey, you know, we give monthly to this ministry. We're not going to give tonight, okay? <laughs> Miss Generous. And so we go in, we're sitting in there, we hear all these teenagers start talking about how their lives were changed by Jesus. And then all of a sudden I'm like crying, crying, crying. And then I get that card and then I wrote a figure on it. I showed it to Philip who's kind of laughing. And then we gave that money that night. Do I regret that? I do not regret that. That was a nudge from God. This happened another time that we went to a fundraiser. And we had not really talked about it before, but of course, generous me was like, we're not giving anything. Okay. So we go in, we sit down, and this time it was Philip who got the nudge from God. He wrote down a number. He showed it to me, and I said, no way. We are not giving that. And I got up and walked out. I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. <laughs> 
Okay, show your love for God by being generous with your money. Number Number three, be generous with your words. Who does not need a kind and encouraging word? Take the time to send a text to someone. Let them know you're thinking of them. Write a note. Make a call. Your words matter, and every single one of us could use an encouraging word, especially right now. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So many of us have experienced anxiety these past eight months, maybe more than we ever have. A kind word can really make a difference. So be generous with your words. Number four, be generous with your love towards others. This is the only time during a money sermon that we are going to encourage you to go into debt. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, I've experienced the generous love of others, especially in the past couple weeks. I have had a lot of stress lately. My dad has been in and out of hospitals. He was diagnosed with cancer. He's fallen a couple times. It has been really stressful. The last time he broke his shoulder and had to have shoulder reconstruction surgery. So having a hard time managing everything, work, family. Then two weeks ago on a Thursday, I woke up at 4 a.m. and my eye was hurting so bad. So I go into the bathroom, turn the light on, and it was so painful. So I go back to bed and just start crying. I think everything was up to here, and that eye thing did not help. The next morning, I went to the doctor and found out I had an ulcer on my eye. Is that gross or what? Yeah, that's pretty gross. So in the time after that, the next day, I sent a text to my friends, and I asked them to pray for me and told them what was going on. Since that time, I've received text messages, extra time with my friends, phone calls, and even two of my friends brought meals to us to take something off of our plate. Also, I hate to cook, so feel free to do that. Well, their generosity refreshed me. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Taking God at his word, I am praying for those friends of mine that they will be refreshed as well. So in closing, Three reminders that I want to give you today. Number one, it's probably time for a heart check. Where do you stand in your relationship with Christ? What is it that you treasure most in your life? Be honest. Write down Matthew 6, 21, somewhere in your house where you can see it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who or what are you living your life for? The answer to that question is going to have a direct impact on the choices that you make, including your money. Now, if you're with a spouse, a friend, a family member, I want to encourage you today, if you go to lunch or spend time with them, ask them that question, what is your treasure? And then have them answer that question for what they think your treasure is. Take some time this week to do a heart check. Number two, know what you've got and know the state of your finances. In other words, budget. This is not a restriction. This can bring freedom. Single adults, go ahead and start doing this. Married couples, if you're not doing this, work together in this. You should know the state of your family finances together. It's not healthy to keep that from one another. Then 
Teach your kids, if they don't know already, the practice of the 10-10-80 principle. And then as an adult, you'll already have that discipline in place. And number three, open your hands. Be generous. Give generously of your time, your money, your words, and your love towards others. Give generously of the gifts and the talents that he has given you. Spend yourself on others. Find a way to be generous this week. Offer to babysit for someone. Pay for someone in the drive-thru behind you. Send a text to someone and let them know that you're praying for them. Act generously. What a difference it would make in our world, in our communities, in our schools, in our jobs, if we began to pray and we asked God intentionally to help us to live out these biblical principles. How awesome would it be if when we are asked the question, where does your treasure lie, that we would be able to answer, my treasure lies in Jesus. Our lives belong to him, and what we do with that, what we do with that is the most important thing. I want you to listen to this next song that Aaron is going to sing for us. And I want to encourage you, if this is true of you, if this is true of you, I want you to say to God, God, I give it all to you. You can have it all. You can have 
gift is from you. Everything that we have is yours. And so God, I pray that we would have open hands, that you would prove yourself faithful to us, God, because you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness, God. We are so in awe of who you are and what you do for us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship? <laughs> 